What's up, Whisper Nation? We are back with you for the Week 5 Matchup Breakdown. This is Part 4 and the final fourth part of the Matchup Breakdown. We go through every fantasy-relevant player in every Week 5 Matchup right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here! I am Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at BigTraviTFW. And I am joined today by Summy. Summy, you can find on Twitter at SummyTFW. Summy, what's going on, man? Chilling, man. Just uh, sitting here watching Thursday Night Football. I uh, just saw Jimmy Graham catch a touchdown before the half and uh, not too excited. One-handed, beastly, <laughs> beastly touchdown. Yep. But yeah, I'm excited to jump uh, into these matchups here and, uh, you know, just preview uh, these three matchups that I think are going to be pretty pretty great. So can't wait to tell Whisper Nation all about them. Yeah, honestly, they're the best three, I think, on the slate if I'm looking at competition-wise. And then they're the final three. And then we've got you, the Sultan of Stats, just coming in on them. So I, I really appreciate – uh, you're taking the time, as as we told Whisper Nation, we have the the staff kind of split up these matchups. So we'll, without further ado, we'll jump right into it. The first one, Sammy, is Indy Indianapolis Colts visiting the Cleveland Browns, hot off their win against the Dallas Cowboys. Both these teams uh, have a couple wins wins stacked up here. Uh, the over under here is 46. Cleveland uh, barely favored one and a half here. Um, so we've got a situation where this, you know, Vegas thinks this is going to be kind of a a slower paced game and it's going to be a close one. And so we're excited to see how that breaks down. So when we look at the Indianapolis side of the ball, we've got Jonathan Taylor getting a good amount of volume, but not, not really equating to a lot of good, you know, good things for fantasy. You know, you and I had talked at length in the off season about Jonathan Taylor, about if he got the opportunity, it would just be mean amazing things uh, for him. And here we are. Uh, we're four weeks in, and what what do we have to say for Jonathan Taylor and, and those people rostering him? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner such as myself, um, I wouldn't panic, right? Uh, I know it feels like he hasn't lived up to expectations, but, I mean, Travi, he's he's RB16 on the season, and you got him in the third round, so you, you're kind of getting yeah. exactly what you, what you paid, right? Um, but the good news here is that, hey, listen, we know this offensive line is is amazing, not only at pass protection, but also in run blocking. And the game scripts haven't really gone in the favor of, you know, giving Jonathan Taylor uh, 25 carries every game. So I think, you know, as the season picks up, their schedule actually opens up for the running backs as well. And I expect Jonathan Taylor to be more involved. Um, I mean, if you think about it, he's tied for third in – red zone carries he's tied with actually mm. zeke elliott so the opportunity is there um just this week it might be a little bit difficult uh with cleveland coming in with uh their uh 12th ranked rushing defense and uh allowing 13th fewest running back points uh 21.1 to running backs you know every week so it's gonna be a little bit tough but you know jonathan taylor the talent is there so i think the taylor projects as one of those guys that maybe you could sell not low but like kind of at a medium value right now right people are seeing that he's getting volume that he's the lead back he's behind a good line you could probably still get good value but based on what you're seeing Sammy, the advanced metrics and what you're looking at when you look at taylor are you sticking with taylor here or are you looking to maybe move him if you can get a decent haul I'm not looking to move him uh and the reason why I'm not looking to move him right is because the typical average fantasy player doesn't doesn't get excited by touches they 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 get excited by production right so yeah. when someone goes to look at jonathan taylor's game log they're going to see average production you know something that you can get from uh pretty much any running back that's getting 20 20 carries you know uh it's nothing special nothing to write home about uh so you're not going to get the value in return as to what i expect his value to become in the next 
four or five weeks, uh, again, their schedule really opens up, and I, I expect them to be in good game scripts. Jonathan Taylor to be fed, scoring multiple touchdowns. You know, it's 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 going to happen. Uh, you just got to hang tight there, and I wouldn't sell them because you're not going to get the value back. Any any chance we're going to see a revisit from Naheem Hines in his week one explosion, or it's just kind of waiver wire fodder at this point? Yeah, no, listen, I think I think we all we all said, you know, after week one, we we're like, hey, that's probably going to be his best performance of the season, and uh, that's right. coming to fruition. And it's looking like he's just primarily a scat back. I think he had like one carry last week, or no, nine carries last week, sorry, tied with Jonathan, uh, uh, Jordan Wilkins. Um, but he's, he's not like a between-the-tackles runner. He's more of a scat back. Uh, which I figured to be a little bit more of a fantasy-friendly role in this Phillip Rivers-led offense. But, I mean, you have three ba- three competent running backs here, so they're just going to eat into each other, especially Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. So, to me, Naheem Hines is uh, borderline droppable. I think you should let someone else roster him and try to figure out if they want to start him. Well, speaking of borderline droppable, we've got to talk about T.Y. Hilton and this pass attack. You know, Phillip Rivers is leading this pass attack. Very efficient, but low volume. They're running a ton. They're not passing a ton. You know, in week one, you could say maybe it was Paris Campbell was the leading receiver. Then he gets hurt. Week two was Mo Alley-Cox. Then last week, Zach Pascal. So we've got all these kind of changing pieces. Is there anything that you're putting your thumb on as far as the passing attack with Indy? Can you break that down a little bit for us? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, kind of like AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton's looking like dust. And, you know, there were a couple of deep shots that Philip Rivers did miss T.Y. Hilton on. So, I mean, opportunity has been there. T.Y. Hilton just hasn't produced. And it's kind of disappointing for fantasy owners, especially if you drafted him. You know, even if you got him in the seventh round of your drafts, it's still not what you expected. I mean, you can't even start the guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Travi, you had actually, uh, you know, we were talking about this over, over the weekend and uh, actually over this week. And you had asked me about T.Y. Hilton. And I mentioned that he's, he's droppable uh, to me. He's droppable. And the reason I say that, okay, so let's lay this out. Let's say this week he goes out against Cleveland, who's given up a fantasy uh, uh, wide receiver one performance every week of the season uh, so far. Let's say T.Y. Hilton goes out there and goes for two touchdowns and 100 yards. Are you going to feel confident starting him in week six? Let's see, week six, they they face Cincinnati. I mean, I don't know if I'd feel confident, but it's definitely – I would feel more confident starting him against Cincinnati than here against Cleveland, I would say. But yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like, it's definitely going to be one of those roller coaster rides that you're not going to want to be a part of. Why, why would you want to be a part of this, right? Maybe you can package TY, maybe whatever it is. He's burning a roster spot. That's all I'm going to say. And I think roster spots in fantasy are very valuable. So yeah. I would let the landmine go to the waiver wire, let someone else scoop them up, waste their priority, waste their fab, uh, move you up in the rankings in terms of waiver priority or, or whatever it is. And I guess it's a win-win that, that way, you know, like you lose a, you lose a landmine and uh, you get to start someone else. So speaking of waiver wire, Zach Pascal found himself at the top of a lot of waiver wire lists this week. What are you seeing out of Zach Pascal and, and many, maybe potential season long value, if any here? Yeah, I mean, Pascal's flashed. I mean, if you remember last season, he was flashing as well with Jacoby Brissett under center. Um, I think Pascal is a good deep threat. I think he can replace T.Y. Uh, as that deep threat. And he's shown a little bit more chemistry with Rivers, uh, in all honesty. I mean, last week, he had three catches on eight targets for like 58 yards or something like that. Could have had a – you know, the, the opportunity was there for a much bigger game. Just couldn't come down with a couple of uh, couple of balls. But if you look at his routes, he ran 90% of routes compared to T.Y.'s 93%, so dead even there. Um, 
Pascal had 49% air yard market share, uh, 116 air yards versus TY's 18% air yard market share, just 44 air yards for TY Hilton. And Not Zach good. Pascal had 30% of the target market share. He had eight targets versus TY. And, it, you know, it just kind of shows that maybe, maybe it's uh, the changing of the guard happening here before our eyes. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind picking him up and just rostering him for a week or two and seeing what, what happens. Anybody that you're feeling, you know, really confident in this week, other than maybe Jonathan Taylor on this roster, because we know the tight ends, Mo Alley Cox has slashed a little bit, but we know that all three tight ends are now working together. Um, anybody there you're starting, and is it just Jonathan Taylor only kind of this week? You know, if you had mentioned before the season started that by week five, I wouldn't want to start anyone except for one person on this on this offense, I'd be surprised. Um, yeah. The reality is I really don't want to start anyone else except for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, well, and Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, yeah, of course. Number yeah. two kicker in fantasy. How can I <laughs> Respect forget? the specs, baby. Man, the myth, the legend, of course. But yeah. – um, no, like with the tight ends, if you look, Mo Ali Cox, his, his route share, his target market share, it all dipped completely uh, with the return of Trey Burton. Trey Burton, his first week back, so, you know, 19% target market share, ran a route on 57% of his uh, snaps. And it's just going to be a disgusting committee, and I think Trey Burton's going to take over as the, uh, the tight end de facto number one in this offense, maybe fall into the end zone a couple times. Mo Ali might fall into the end zone too, but it's going to be really hard to predict, and I want nothing to do with it. Makes a lot of sense, even though I love Mo Alley's talent. I wish he oh, was yeah. getting more routes and targets right now. Oh, yeah. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Cleveland Browns coming off maybe their biggest win in franchise in the franchise in a long time against the Dallas Cowboys. OBJ had a monster game. We saw this rushing attack get over 300 yards against the Dallas Cowboys last week. And what we see, and we've talked about this a lot off air, is we're seeing a really massive rushing pie here that's being chopped up in some really nice, tasty pieces. So, Sammy, just walk Whisper Nation through what's going on with this rushing attack here. This rushing attack is the best rushing attack in the game. Last year it was Minnesota, and ironically enough, the OC was Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> right. And this year it's, uh, it's looking to be Cleveland, and they have the O-line as well to go along with it. I mean, if you just look at their O-line, let me, let me just tell you what they rank um, in terms of – Run blocking, they're number one. In terms of pass blocking, they're number two. This O-line has been, been phenomenal over the course of uh, four weeks, and I think that continues. And Kareem Hunt, you know, top three back, automatic with Nick Chubb's injury. So we got Kareem Hunt locked in there, but then we got Dearness Johnson, who we talked a little bit about now with that Nick Chubb injury. And you and I have talked, like, Nick Dearness Johnson looks like he's probably the guy. Do you see a world, though, here? And I was actually – I meant to ask you this. And I'll ask now, do you see a world where Dearness Johnson actually takes over the Nick Chubb role and they kind of leave Kareem Hunt where he was at? Now, I know the popular take has been, oh, Kareem Hunt only had limited snaps and, and Dearness Johnson only saw those snaps that he saw because of Kareem Hunt's groin injury. But I, I actually think there is a world where they leave Kareem Hunt doing the things that he does well, the passing down work, 100%. The, red zone, the red zone work, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, I think Kareem Hunt will maybe slide into Nick Chubb role, right? Like, uh, get the opportunities early in the game. He's a starter, obviously. He opens up the game. And then Kareem Hunt, we saw, was alternating drives, alternating series with, uh, with Nick Chubb. And Stefanski did that last year with Madison and Cook as well. And I think that's a really smart way to do it, right? Because you keep both of the backs fresh. As soon as they come in the game, they're going up against uh, a tired defensive line, a tired uh, second level in the linebackers. And you have a fresh running back back there who's going to – who's going to pound him. And uh, I think they're going to do the same thing with Dearness Johnson. I mean, Dontrell Hilliard, he's more of a special teams guy, pass catching guy who's going to be involved in, you know, 
passing down situations from time to time. But I truly think that Dearness Johnson is going to pay off from this last week, the waiver wire run. I think he's going to be the best pickup. And that's why I spent uh, a ton of fab, a ton of uh, number one waiver priorities on Dearness Johnson. Because listen, for six weeks, if I can get that, if I can get a piece of his rushing pie, I want it. And, you know, if you look at Cleveland, they actually rank first in explosive run rate. 22% of their runs go for 10 or more yards. Uh, and, you know, I just want a piece of his putt. Like I said, Travi, it's, it's just yeah. a really efficient running attack. And uh, Well, yeah, if, if that, if that, people are saying, well, Dearness Johnson, he ran, you know, he ran a slow 40. I don't think it's going to matter when that offensive line is opening up these gaping holes for him to yeah. just run through. Like, that's what you want. And, and there's no – it's no – uh, surprise that they are first in explosive run rate, as you said here. Um, so we know the rushing attack's good. We know this team is is good based on that. Like they they got a decent defense. On um, through the air though, wouldn't that make these fanboys of Cleveland kind of excited to get a piece of Baker Mayfield and OBJ? Uh, what what are your takes on on the passing attack here? You would think so, right? You would think with a good running yeah. game, they do have a strong passing attack as well. I mean, they do. They can. But if you look at Baker, he's kind of turned more into a game manager than anything else. They're not really – like, Stefanski's telling him, like, hey, I don't trust you with the ball. We're going to run the ball a little bit. And then when we have that shot, I'll let you take the shot. Uh, if you look at last week, they put up 49 points on the Cowboys and Baker passed for less than 200 yards. That just kind of goes to show you. It's unreal. I mean, Jarvis threw that – you know, I, I think Jarvis might be the best deep passer on this team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. And it's disappointing because, you know, I had really high hopes for Baker. Um, we'll just have to see what kind of happens, you know, if he, if he does start to progress, if he, you know, he, he does have the protection that he needs to, to kind of take those deep shots. And OBJ, of course, we know the talent's there. The upside is unlimited. Um, it's just going to be tough to predict. I think it's going to be a very volatile passing attack. I think the only thing reliable here will be the run game with Kareem Hunt and uh, Dontrell Hilliard and uh, Dearness Johnson. And that volatility, you think, extends all the way to OBJ, right? Because, like, here's the thing. I said I told a lot of people coming into last week, if OBJ could pop here against Dallas, that would be back-to-back games. They have the Cincy game where he had a good touchdown. You'd have the Dallas game. You're looking at a prime sell-high candidate here. OBJ's got name value. He's got back-to-back performances. And you've got a situation where maybe the passing attack is volatile. Would you suggest selling high on OBJ here? And what are you seeing out of those, those pass catchers? That's going to be tough, um, to be quite honest with you. And it's not too often a fantasy analyst says, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I don't know if you should sell yeah. out on OBJ. Um, we know the talent's there. We know what he can be. Uh, we haven't seen it since he's been on Cleveland. Uh, but we know that he's the undisputed wide receiver one in this offense, right? He saw last week a 52% air yard market share, 31% target market share. Uh, I truly think that he's going to be volatile, just like this passing attack. It's going to go up and down. There's going to be some weeks where you're going to be disappointed, some weeks where you're going to be excited, ecstatic to have him on your roster, you know, weak winning upside. But um, it's just hard to predict. It it all depends on roster, right? Like if you have a shortage of wide receivers, maybe you can package them for two wide receivers, you know? Maybe if you have a surplus of wide receivers, maybe you can package them for, you know, a running back, whatever it is. So it's really Mm -hmm. up to to your roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you'll be able to – I mean, so far he's hit on the matchups you, you think he would hit on, right? Yeah. The Cincy matchup, this Dallas matchup. So maybe it is something where it's just that bare bones you could pick it and pick the matchup. So if that's the case, we know he's undisputed at the top. Any interest in Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and specifically this week as we're looking at this matchup against this vaunted indie defense? 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, this this week is going to be tough for for these pass catchers here. I mean, Indy does have a very respectable defense here, uh, especially their secondary. Xavier Rhodes, you know, he's he's looking like he's uh, back at stardom. He's they're actually number one in pass coverage. I think that's also uh, attributed to the game that they had against the Jets, where they had the two pick sixes against Sam Darnold. But um, you know, this the, Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper are really interesting because you see Austin Hooper's utilization actually increasing on a week by week basis. If you look last week. He had a 27% target market share, ran around on 20, uh, 68% of his snaps. And I think that's really eating into Jarvis Landry's work as well over the middle of the field mm-hmm. where, you know, he kind of thrives in the slot. And I was let down because I uh, – listen, the chemistry with, with Baker and Jarvis last year was amazing, um, much more than I expected. And I expected that to continue this year as well. But it's unfortunate it hasn't popped yet. Um, I'm worried about Jarvis Landry for sure. And I'm going to be continue to be worried if, if uh, Austin Hooper starts to get – more and more involved just because the 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 passing pie is so small right they're not passing as much so uh, a 20 percent target market share in cleveland is not the same as a 20 percent market share in dallas so it's no, not at all <laughs> of course yeah so, i mean this week i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna start look to start jarvis um if i need to stream a tight end yeah sure austin hooper is definitely in the conversation there uh, but outside, but that's of, just mostly because of tight end being the way it is, right? It's exactly. not like because you're you're excited about Hooper's matchup. Exactly. I do like stashing Hooper, as you've said here. I think he's decent based on that utilization. Let's see how that pays out because they did make him the highest paid tight end in the league. Well, you got to see how much of that is for that rushing attack yeah. and how much of that could be for a role in the passing attack. Exactly. All right. So moving on to our Sunday night matchup here. We've got the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Minnesota Vikings in what Vegas thinks will be the highest scoring game on the docket, 57.5 point over under, with Seattle favored by just a touchdown. I think, you know, Vegas knows Seattle's defense is not quite what it should be uh, for a Super Bowl contender, and that just means great things uh, for that offense. But we'll get to them in a second. I want to start on the Minnesota side, Sammy, and really the biggest storyline coming out of Minnesota is Justin Jefferson who has just been on fire the last two weeks. So is Justin Jefferson here to stay, Sami? How do you see this passing game? Is Justin Jefferson just the key that we needed to unlock the passing attack in Minnesota, or do you, cons- do you consider them close to Cleveland where they're going to run a lot too? Yeah, I think this offense is going to resemble a lot of what Cleveland is doing as well, right? Because if you, if you think about it, last year it was, uh, it was Kevin Stefanski here and um, – I mean, same, same style of offense, right? Run heavy attack, zone scheme, uh, pass the ball, you know, run, run, pass. Play action. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I do think the pie is a lot smaller here. But that being said, that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't find value in these receivers. I think Thielen's about to go nuclear over the next couple of weeks. Mm. I think if you can buy low on him, I think right now is the perfect time to do it. This is probably the last week that you have uh, before this game. But Justin Jefferson, I love this kid. He's, he's breaking out, and I think it's real. He ranks number one amongst all wide receivers in yards per route run. 3.7. And, you know, this week he's actually going to be primarily seeing Trey Flowers, who's been absolutely horrible. He's let up 83% of his catches, uh, completions on on, on his catches, Uh, 1.51 yards per route run. And over the last two weeks, Travis, he's actually allowed 14 receptions on 17 targets for 185 yards. One of those touchdowns, one touchdown that went to Gallup and 130.6 passer rating. So I think Justin Jefferson continues to, to, to have a strong, rookie campaign and I think you know he might reach a thousand receiving yards on the season so uh, I think that not only is Jefferson and and Adam Thielen and obviously Dalvin Cook smash starts in this spot like as you just laid out given the passing attack 
But if, if all of that is good for all these weapons, what does that mean for Kirk Cousins? Yeah, Kirk Cousins, he gets a knock, right? Uh, I think me and you have this conversation constantly. Yeah, almost every week. <laughs> of course. You know, you see the Green yeah. Bay jersey behind you. Of course, we're going to have this yeah. conversation. Listen, Kirk Cousins, he's, he's a competent passer for fantasy as well. Um, he's been a top 12 quarterback, QB 13 last year, you know. But year in and year out, he's shown that he can provide value in the passing game, and, and he's pretty accurate. I'm just concerned about this week, honestly. No stats. All the stats aside, everything aside, it's primetime Kirk Cousins. So I'm, I'm more worried yeah. about that than anything else. Um, and, you know, weird things happen in primetime, especially with Kirk Cousins under center. So Teddy Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins this week as a streamer? Ooh, that's tough. So I think the, the pace of play in this matchup, so it's a 57.5 point over-under in Minnesota and Seattle. I think Minnesota is going to maybe favor that to the under because they're such a slow offense. They're going to be less drives. It's going to be less plays, less opportunities uh, to put up points. Um, I think, you know, the Carolina game could be a little bit faster pace. I think they're going up against Atlanta. So that's going to be, you know, just a shootout left and right over there, left, right, and center. Um, yeah. I would, I would personally, I mean, listen, Teddy's a really great streamer this week. I like him a lot this week. Uh, I think I would, they're about even, but I'd probably play Teddy over Kirk this week. All right, on the Seattle side of the ball, we've got, you know, Russ cooking, as everyone knows. We've got Chris Carson playing through concussions and twisted knees and doing what he does. But I would like to talk about, you know, what you see going forward in that running back for with Chris Carson. Is this a just you got to just cross your fingers and hope he makes it through the season healthy? Or, you know, I, I saw, you know, Sigmund Bloom even talking about DJ Dallas as a stash. I see you put Rashad Penny on the show notes. What are you seeing out of the running game? Uh, for maybe future down the line. And then in this game, you're obviously starting Chris Carson. Yeah. And to your point, I think every, everyone that rosters Chris Carson for the last three years, I think they've been just holding their breath and hoping that he makes that alive. Right. Like right. The way he runs is so violent. And I know, you know, this about me where I always say that, Hey, listen, he's a violent runner. It's a higher chance of him getting hurt. And we do see it, you know, he does get banged up, but he plays through it. Um, as right. far as the de depth goes, I'm really glad you brought up DJ Dallas because last week we saw Carlos Hyde get no touches uh, in favor of DJ Dallas. And DJ Dallas, I think he had two rushing attempts. He also had a target on the third down. So I think they're trying to work in the rookie. It's really interesting what's going to happen when Rashad Penny gets back. I think he's eligible. Like Pete Carroll had a really good quote uh, recently. He said, you know, he's been working really hard. Uh, he was actually hanging out with him in the weight room and he was just talking to him and, you know, He's saying that his recovery has gone really, really well, especially on his knee reconstruction surgery. I think uh, his right thigh is like one and a half centimeters smaller than his left thigh, which is a really good sign um, coming back from that reconstruction surgery. I mean, it's supposed to be Somebody's got the thigh measurements going <laughs> out here. I love it. The deep yeah, thigh. That just speaks to the recovery. And, you know, a lot of these sports physicians that I, that I follow and I, and I listen to, uh, they're also saying that, you know, he can come back and be effective this season. So Rashad Penny, to me, is kind of a stash because he was on a really good tear before he went down last year. And I think they really trust him. He grew into his offense. And I think Rush trusts him as well as the passing down uh, back as well. Uh, but I think Carlos Hyde should definitely be a cut candidate if Rashad Penny is activated. So if you have Carlos Hyde, I mean, I wouldn't get your hopes up for him. So like, I like the breakdown there of the back backs over in Seattle because it is kind of interesting behind uh, Chris Carson. Yeah. In the wide receiving core, obviously Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf just exploding here uh, all over the place when they get the chance. Uh, and that should be in most games because, look, this defense, we've talked about it, not very good, letting up a lot of points. But I want to talk a little bit about David Moore because he could be on people's radar from the waiver. And we actually saw him get quite a bit of work last week against Miami. So what is your 
uh, feeling on David Moore here? We've had this with David Moore for the last two years. Every, every year he has three or four weeks where he just goes absolutely nuclear. He goes off. Yeah. And then he's just quiet. And people wonder why that is. And I'll tell you why that is. is because, you know, he had a 12% market share, target market share last week, but he only ran a route on 35% of snaps. And that's going to continue wow. to continue to be the case, right? They're, they're only going to roll out Tyler Lockett, Greg Olson, and DK Metcalf. Like, those are three pass-catching options. That's it. David, David Moore, you're, you're kind of just banking on a, on a touchdown. Outside of that, there's no volume. So you're, he's, he's, at best, a desperation flex play who could come through with a touchdown who's getting catches from the MVP right now, MVP front runner. So that's not a bad situation to be in. But I don't trust him as a weekly starter. He's really just a, a volatile flex DFS play at best. What do you think if something happens to DK or Tyler Lockett? Would David Moore get a bump here? Would you, would you like him? So sometimes we roster running backs, right? Because we think they're an injury away from some significant use. Yep. Would you say that about David Moore here? Uh, yeah, if DK Metcalf were to get hurt, absolutely. He, he's definitely a field stretcher. He, he provides a similar skill set to what DK Metcalf does. Of course, I'm not going to say the same because DK is DK. Right, right, right of course. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, if Tyler Lockett, knock on wood, if he gets, if he gets hurt, I think John Urswa could be a really good option that could come in in the slot. Um, has a similar skill set to Tyler Lockett as well. Uh, we haven't really talked about him much, but he's a second-year wide receiver who came in. Um, and he's, he's flashed a little bit, you know, in the little playing time that he's had. He's made some good catches, and uh, I like John Urshua as a depth piece in this offense. But for now, let's just hope none of these guys get hurt. I want to see his pass-catching attack. Uh, yeah, I don't want a fantasy reaper in there, but yeah, I just exactly. I had to ask just in case we're, we're stashing Demon yep. Moore here. Um, Greg Olson, streamable this week. How are you liking that matchup coming in uh, here against Minnesota? Yeah, listen, um, I think uh, Greg Olson, he's a third target for Russ, and he had a uh, 21% target market share last week. He led the team. Uh, it was just weird what happened in Miami last last week, right? Like, weird things happened in Miami. Uh, Russ seemed a little bit going off. Going cross-country, yeah. Yeah, it's a West Coast team going east, you know, for an early game. So, expecting expected things to be a little bit weird. But, uh, you know, Greg Olson, he's shown that he can fall into the end zone a couple of times, and I think he's going to continue to do so. So, for sure, I think he's a really good streaming option. I think, you know, you could do worse if you were to roster him too. All right, well, let's move on to the Monday night football matchup. Well, actually, I think we might be in jeopardy of having two Monday nights or yeah. a Tuesday night or what's <laughs> going on. But we'll say for now the only Monday night matchup. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are going to host the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a 51-point over-under. You've got New Orleans favored by just over a touchdown, seven-and-a-half-point uh, spread here. When we look at the Chargers side of the ball, uh, it, it was announced today, Sammy, Justin Herbert will be starting going forward. So I'm just going to give you the reins here. I want you to take us through this offense. Now that we know Justin Herbert's the guy, we've had, I believe, three weeks of Justin Herbert now, right? Yep. So we've had that for three weeks. We've got a little bit of our sample size. Talk to us through us with this offense and then facing these New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I mean, so with Justin Herbert, there's really not much to talk about. He's good. He's inconsistent, though. Uh, he's put some really yeah. good plays on film. He's also made some, some mental errors um, that, you know, I mean, last week he was competing with Brady. So you got to give the kid some credit, right? Uh, he went back and forth. He went toe-to-toe with Brady. And I think, you know – they had the lead for quite some time until the end, until Brady decided to come back. But listen, Herbert's good. And if you have Keenan Allen, you're ecstatic because he's locking on to Keenan Allen. 50% target market share last week, just Oof. locked on. That's like super elite status. So if you have Keenan, you're not benching him. You're, you're starting him every week, no matter what. 
Uh, and I yeah. think Hunter Henry too. I mean, if you look at Hunter Henry, you're not really excited about the production that he's put out, right? Like you're, you're kind of disappointed the last two weeks. Uh, but if you look at his routes, he's ran, he's ran a route on 76% of snaps. That's going to yield production. And I think this week is where he gets right, uh, especially with New Orleans allowing the second most fantasy points to tight ends with 20.2 per game. Um, and Hunter Henry, wow. if you look at his – yeah. So it's, it's a really good smash spot. spot. Smash spot. And uh, Hunter Henry is actually fifth in yards per route run amongst all tight ends with 1.96. So I like Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the running backs go, I mean, Travi, what are you thinking about Justin Jackson? I, I, know, I know what I think about Justin Jackson. He's good. He's not great. Do you think that you're confident starting him in this matchup against New Orleans? No, I wouldn't start him here, but I did stash him in a couple leagues only because I want to see what happens with Joshua Kelly's fumbling issues. He's got back-to-back games with the fumbles, and we've got an Anthony Lynn head coach who is a running back guy. He's not going to put up with that, right? Like, he's not going to – that's not going to last. So, if Kelly can't seize this moment, look for the veteran to come in and, you know, not be inspiring, but do things, you know, like a younger Peyton Barber or like a Jamal Williams does and just doesn't piss off the coach, right? And so that has equated to some fantasy usage in the past. I'm not overly ecstatic. Like, you know, we talked about Dearness Johnson, let's say, as a pickup, right? I would have definitely liked Dearness Johnson's upside a lot more than Justin Jackson's upside, or even Damian Harris, who came off the waiver this week, too. Yep. That upside's a lot better for me than Justin Jackson. But uh, I could understand stashing him here. I'd like to know what you're thinking about Joshua Kelly this week. You know, this is going to be the first week post Eckler against what has in, in the past been a really tough New Orleans matchup. Yeah, I mean, we saw Adrian Peterson fall into the end zone last week against New Orleans. And, uh, right. You know, that, that was surprising to see. That was an Adrian Peterson uh, revenge game. Revenge game. Yeah, revenge game. He gets like four of those, I guess. Right. He had one against yeah. Arizona the week before, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, with Joshua Kelly, I mean, if you look at this offense, with, with Austin Eckler, this offense ranks 30th in explosive run rate with Eckler. Now, we know how explosive Eckler can be. Now, you take Eckler out of the equation, and I think you're going to see the Chargers rank dead last in explosive run rate. Um, It's not looking good this week either because New Orleans actually is eighth best at at not allowing explosive runs. So I think uh, Joshua Kelly this week, he's more of a a volume play, Um, and I don't even think he sees the volume, right, because I expect this to be a negative game script for the Chargers. I get it. They look good against Tampa Bay last week, but – New Orleans gets, gets back Michael Thomas, who we'll talk about in a second. I think, you know, they have the weapons to, to, to kind of boat race this, uh, this Chargers team. Um, and I'm not, you know, too excited about Joshua Kelly this week. But I think the schedule does open up in the future. Do you think that you would be worried about this running back core, this running game without Eckler? Do you think, you know, maybe we're taking for granted what Eckler does and allows for Josh Kelly to do in spell of Eckler, right? Like it's that tandem that really makes the running game efficient and make it work. Like, that could be understated here, right? Yeah, it's like the thunder and lightning thing that we had with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, right? You had a right. Potter, and then you had a, a shifty back like Eckler, you know, and Alvin Kamara. And I think that just helped threaten the D-line a little bit more. And I think with a, with a, with a missing piece in Austin Eckler, I think you're going to see a lot more stack boxes for jo- uh, Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. I think as this run game is going to get stymied um, more often than not. Um, but again, the schedule does open up. If you look at the next couple of weeks, New York Jets at Miami, yeah. Jacksonville, Las Vegas. So you have pretty soft matchups there to take advantage of coming up. So I wouldn't be too hesitant to start these guys moving forward, but just not this week. Anybody worth a flex? You said negative game script. They're going to have to be thrown to keep up with New Orleans likely. So 
anybody uh, outside of Keenan Allen, um, Jalen Guyton for another one, <laughs> one catch, one touchdown game. One target, one catch, one touchdown. Yeah. No, I'm hey, not, I'm that's not, efficiency, baby. That is, that is. Uh, this offense really misses Mike Williams, though, and I think uh, he's looking yeah. like he's going to be out as well with that shoulder. He's he didn't practice, um, so it's looking like he's going to miss this game. I think outside of Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry as locked in plays, I think Justin Jackson is the only flexworthy option with a negative game script. You know, playing that Eckler light role and. Uh, in on passing downs, hurry up situations. I think Justin Jackson can catch like six or seven balls and, and have a decent fantasy floor. All right, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints side of the ball here, and it's Alvin Kamara and everybody else pretty much, uh, usually every week here. But we did see some action out of the pass catchers, um, and I have to give you credit here, Sammy. You called the Latavius Murray uh, play last week against the Detroit Lions, so this is for you, buddy. A little victory lap, my Thank man. You. Uh, but get, but talk to me a little bit about this game because this is actually game script. Are we seeing a situation like that this could happen again for Latavius Murray? Is I mean you're starting you're starting Alvin Kamara, but yeah. is Latavius Murray worth that flex again this week? I mean Latavius Murray is probably the most highest value handcuff that you can own in fantasy uh, next to like Alexander Madison. Um, but if you look at Latavius Murray, he's been involved. Uh, 15 carries the first week, uh, three carries a week after, but then 12 and 14 the weeks after. And, you know, last week we saw two touchdowns. Um, he's getting the goal line work as well. He's seen two uh, red zone rush attempts over the last two weeks. Um, I think, you know, he'll be involved to spell Kamara, but Kamara is really the only running back I'm willing to start. And I think with Murray, we'll be able to pick and choose which matchups. I think also with the lack of weapons, it helped to funnel things to the run game last week. Um, and that's why I was more confident about Murray, but now you're getting back Michael Thomas. You have Emmanuel Sanders coming on his coming in on his own in this offense. You have Traquan Smith finally busting out um, and Jared cook. You know, I think he's going to be out this week as well, but you have a lot of options here. So it doesn't make me that confident in Murray. Um, but of course, you know, if you look at it this week, even like the chargers have allowed the six fewest points to running backs at just 18.4. I think Kamara is the only guy that you're going to be confident about starting outside of uh, the wide receiver, Michael Thomas here. Drew Brees uh, has kind of done enough so that you won't drop him. <laughs> you know, like he's just been good yeah. enough uh, that you won't cut ties with him um, unless you have another upside option at QB. What, what is your take on this particular matchup, and are you okay with rolling Brees out there? For sure. If Michael Thomas is back, I mean, listen, Brees looked cooked the first couple of weeks. Um, last week he pulled it together. I think he heard the narratives around him. He was like, you know what, I'll show you. Yeah. And he started. He heard you, Sammy. Yeah, he heard <laughs> us. And he started throwing the ball a little bit further down the field. You know, he caught Traquan with uh, two touchdowns. Manny Sanders is coming on his own, like I mentioned. Uh, and like you mentioned, he hasn't really killed you. You would, you, you don't want to drop him, right? But now he gets yeah. back Michael Thomas, and I think it's just going to elevate him a little bit more. And I'm comfortable having Breeze as my QB one going forward with Michael Thomas back and healthy. So I'm looking to stream him this week and, and start him moving forward. Let's say Michael Thomas goes. How are you feeling about Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, these other pass catchers here? It's tough, right? Because Traquan, it was kind of a mirage last week. Two touchdowns, good production. But Manny Sanders was actually the guy that was seeing – Yeah, he had his best game. Yeah, 89% of routes, 36% target market share last week versus Traquan's just 16% target market share. Um, And I think that has to do with also Kamara only seeing a 16% market share last week. That's why we saw Traquan and Manny Sanders involved so much. I think uh, I think Kamara, if he takes back his role as a pat, like the wide receiver one outside of Michael Thomas here, I think Manny Sanders and Traquan, they're just going to be good to like kind of eat into each other and not really provide week in and week out solid production. And Traquan, I mean, I'm going to trust that, you know, his we've touted Traquan over the last two years to break out over and over again. 
but he just didn't seem to until Michael Thomas got hurt. So if Michael Thomas is back, I'm not trusting Traquan, and I would actually sell him high right now on in, mm. to someone who needs a wide receiver and uh, someone that you can sell the dream of last week's performance to. So uh, I'm more confident. In Dynasty stash though for Traquan. Um, honestly, no, <laughs> not no? not for me. No. Yeah, because he's kind of tied to Drew Brees, who is probably done after this year. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what the QB situation is going to look like moving forward. Um, I think they're going to have to trade for one or draft one. I don't know what's going to happen here. Maybe Jameis Winston comes in. If Jameis Winston comes in, then yeah, for sure, fire yeah. it up. But um, outside of Michael Thomas, I really don't want any receiver here. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, tell me what we did it. That that closes out the Week Five slate of games. This was Part Four of the matchup show. Uh, bro- broken down with my man, Summy here, who you can find on Twitter, at SummyTFW. Any last parting words for Whisper Nation before we go, my man? Listen, it's, it's, a, it's a tough season this year. Um, I want you guys to know to, to be smart, right? Like, uh, it's, it's a lot of unpredictability going on in the season, and don't let it get your hopes down. You know, I wish you guys the best of luck, and, and just be smart with your roster. If you're not going to start a player – uh, for multiple weeks, like why hang on to him? You know, like look to get starting assets on your roster, utilize your bench spots. Um, those are very valuable too. And that's like the biggest piece of advice I can give you. Uh, just be smart with your roster and how you manage it. And don't roster two, like don't roster like uh, two defenses or two kickers or anything like that. Those, those positions are really, you know, disposable. Um, yeah. But uh, just be smart, I get with, with, with your roster spots. As uh, Bruce Lee, the wise Bruce Lee says, be water, my friend, be water. And so adjust uh, accordingly. Um, Sammy, I appreciate the time, man, and we will talk next time, next week. Uh, For Sammy, I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.